Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Aaron. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. This week, it's my turn to pick an episode, and I decided to dive into a series we have not featured on this podcast, Let George Do It, and the episode... This Ain't No Way to Run a Railroad. Let George Do It ran on the Mutual Broadcasting Network from 1946 to 1954 and starred Bob Bailey as private investigator George Valentine. Each episode opened with a newspaper ad describing the premise of the show. It read, Personal notice, Danger's my stock and trade. If the job's too tough for you to handle, you've got a job for me, George Valentine. Write full details. The program began life as a comedy, focused less on crime and more on screwball escapades. Bob Bailey's wry, low-key response to over-the-top characters and situations provided much of the humor. The producers went so far as to provide a live studio audience for sitcom-style laughter. By the end of the first season, though, the scripts began to lean more heavily on traditional private-eye tropes, and the humor was relegated to wisecracks and the occasional eccentric supporting character. George Valentine's secretary, Claire Brooks, or Brooksy, was played by Francis Robinson, Virginia Gregg, and finally Lillian Bioff. Fun fact, Virginia Gregg was the voice for Rubashinska, the ventriloquist doll, in the 1956 Alfred Hitchcock Presents TV episode, and so died Rubashinska. Gregg was also one of the three uncredited actors to supply the voice of Mrs. Bates and Psycho, along with Jeanette Nolan and Paul Jasmine. Hitchcock combined their performances for the final edit with the exception of Mrs. Bates' last monologue, which was performed entirely by Virginia Gregg. She later reprised the role for the sequel Psycho 2 and Psycho 3. Her final voiceover role was as Tara on the Saturday morning cartoon The Herculoids. Bob Bailey's early radio roles included the title character in the comedy series Mortimer Gooch and supporting parts in That Brewster Boy, Meet Corliss Archer, and Kitty Keene Incorporated. He left radio in 1943 after signing with 20th Century Fox. His career as a film actor spanned seven movies, most notably Jitterbugs and The Dancing Masters, starring Laurel and Hardy. When the studio didn't renew Bailey's contract, he returned to radio, landing the role of George Valentine. His performance in Let George Do It led to his best-remembered role, Johnny Dollar and Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. His stint on the program lasted from 1955 to 1960, just shy of 500 episodes. When CBS moved the production of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar from Los Angeles to New York, Bailey left the program. He made a few more small, often uncredited appearances in film and television before retiring from acting in 1964. And now this is This Ain't No Way to Run a Railroad from Let George Do It, first broadcast December 2nd, 1952. It's late at night and a chill has set in. You're alone and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker, listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Personal notice, danger's my stock and trade. If the job's too tough for you to handle, you got a job for me, George Valentine. Write full details.
Well, what do you know? It's time for another visit with Valentine. George Valentine, that is. Now, he's the fellow who rents space in the personal columns of your paper, advertising the fact that when you bump into a problem a size too large, don't start taking brave pills. Let George do it. That's what Casey Foster did. He had a problem that was a butte. You know what it was? He had a million bucks that he wanted to give away and couldn't find a taker. Now, I bet you're saying that that's not possible. But it is. And if the maestro will give me a downbeat, I'll have Mr. Foster read you his letter to George. Dear Mr. Valentine, my name is Casey Foster, and I have a very simple problem for you. I have a million dollars. I want to spend my million dollars. I practically want to give it to some people, but Mr. Valentine, they won't take it. They don't want it. So it seems to me there must be something rather wrong with those people, don't you think? You see, Mr. Valentine, this is where the track starts, the junction north of the Chula. Then from there south, through Elmo Junction to Chula City. Then down by the Davenport here to the link with the Sonora National... Wait a minute, wait a minute, please. You mean you've laid out these model trains like a real road? That's what I said, the Desert Central. I've never heard of it. <laughs> I'm not surprised. It's slightly smaller than the Union Pacific. Oh, but you will hear of it. You will. I have great plans for it. Mr. Valentine, that's what I want to buy. The real Desert Central. Oh, so you slowly begin to make sense, huh? Only buying something is a little different from giving your money away, isn't it? No, no, that's the strange part. It's really not so different. You see, I discovered that the asking price for the railroad, lock, stock, and barrel, is a little over 900000 That's been my ambition, Mr. Valentine, all my life, to own a railroad. Think of it all mine, from roundhouse to... please. What happened, Mr. Foster? You try to buy this Desert Central or whatever it is, and they turn you down, is that it? I offered a million, way over the asking price... And it's supposed to be for sale, I know that. But all I got from them was a sort of a brush-off. What do you mean? Uh, here. Read that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I see what you mean. Polite double-talk, huh? Who's this man, Sir Tuck? I don't know. He signed the letter, that's all. His office is in Chula City. He's apparently in charge. Well, maybe there are reasons why they don't want to sell, or maybe you didn't make it clear in your letter that you... Well, I wrote again, and this time they haven't even answered. No, no. Instead, they hired a private detective. They did what? Yes, now I'm being watched. As though it were a crime to have a million dollars to interfere or pry into their little operation. Well, let me tell you something, Mr. Valentine. I'm driving down there to see those people in person. Tonight. You're going to follow me down. I haven't the slightest idea what's going on, but I mean to find out. Okay, I don't blame you. And whether they like it or not, we're going to buy that road. Do you understand? All my life I've wanted to own a railroad. This is my chance. And you're going with me to see that no one stops me. Say, did you ever hear anyone so determined about something as old man Foster is about spending his million dollars? I hope it's a good investment. Just like I hope you'll give a listen to this bit of advice. 
Well, let's get back and see how Mr. Foster is doing. So far, so good, I guess, because there's George and Brooksy following his car at full speed. Georgie, you getting sleepy? No, I'm all right. Foster must drive at a pretty good clip, though. Oh, well, he left half hour before we did. Yeah, well, go on back to sleep, Angel. Nothing but cactus in these parts. Don't you want me to drive for a while? No. Now, we won't be there until long after midnight, so you might as well get some sleep. George! Take it easy, it's all right. Well, it's Foster. What? Yeah, there, on the road. Valentine! Valentine, is that you? Yeah. What's the matter? You have a flat tire or something? No, no, there's nothing wrong. No, except you almost got run over, that's all. Well, I, I, I want to show you something. Most beautiful view I've, I've ever seen. Get out, Miss Brooks. Come over here. View? View of what? The black shadow of some black sand in the middle of a black desert? Oh, we're going coyote hunting, huh? Over there, in the moonlight. There, by the old abandoned siding. See? A freight train. That's the number two engine. Makes the night run. But it's a Malin with 40 A freight train to... with six boxcars. Parked in the middle of the desert. <laughs> Business must be good. Come on, it's cold out here, and we've still got some driving to do. But George, why? Huh? Why would they stop like that, right out in the middle of nowhere? I don't know. Ask the expert. I don't know either. Okay, let's find out. A beautiful dame. You're the engineer of this streamliner? Or were you riding the rods, baby? Ought to be careful doing that, sister. Rattlesnakes will bite you. Look, smart Mister, boy. Mister, you want lefty. Go find him. Me? I'm just a fireman, brakeman, train guard, orchestra, and window washer. Substitute at that. It's a real big-time railroad. <coughs> Come on. You want him, I'll show you. Well, uh, we just He's wanted back here to... someplace. Came back to look at a hot box. Hot box? There's your mystery. One of the back cars here, I guess. I should worry. I'm working on the middle part of this course. Listen, baby, I'll play it for oh, you. Oh, you don't have to. Oh, now, don't be like that. My name's Paolo. And the only reason anybody ever hires me is because I make such beautiful music. Listen. Oh, brother, this is a real fine railroad you want to buy, Mr. Foster. Well, maybe it isn't so efficient. Stop that! Stop that noise out there! I'm in Stop it, I said! <laughs> Sleeping again, huh, Si? Here, meet Saibri, folks, Lord of the Caboose. Conductor, straw boss, meanest man this side. Thank you, Paolo. What do we stop for? Who are these people? Oh, excuse me, lady. Where did I get my shoes on? Oh, don't let us bother you, friend. Uh, see here, you run this train. I'd like to meet you. My name is Foster. I'm going to buy this line. You're what? Yes, spy it. He's nuts. Come in, come in. I've been asleep since Elmo Junction. Maybe I didn't hear you right. Excuse the appearance of things, lady. Oh, that's all right. Here, coffee's nice and hot. Have a cup. Holy smoke, mister. You mean it? You gonna buy this thing? Yes, that's my intention. You see... I hope you understand about a man falling asleep. Train stops so many times, you get so you don't notice. Lefty, he can take care of anything I can. Had a hot box on that 418 car. <laughs> Blasted old equipment. How can they expect me to maintain a schedule? 
Here, have some cream, lady. Best coffee this side of Rock Island. Oh, just to cool it a little, thanks. But things would be different with some new management, I'm telling you. Foster, that's what you said, wasn't it? New blood. Well, well. Here, sit down, Mr. Foster. Wait a minute, all of you. If we walk from the engine to the caboose here, where's the engineer? Well, Paolo here says he's working on a hot box. Holy smoke, look what time it oh, is. We must have walked past that car, 418. Where was he? <laughs> There's two sides to a train, mister. Yeah? Show me. George. Just lying there, out cold. Lefty, get out of the way, mister. He looks dead in the door. Oh, he's all right, old timer. Take it easy. Yeah, I'm fine, just great. Well, what happened? For heaven's sake, what happened? Lefty, can you hear me? Oh, stop it. I'm all right. Get away from you. There's blood on your head, friend. Yeah. How'd it get there? Don't you know? No, a hot box. You come back here to... You trip. That's what you did. Here, see? Tripped on a tie and smacked your bean against the journal box. See where dirt's wiped off? Yeah, I guess that's all it was. Well, if you're all right, let's get rolling then. We still got a schedule to make. And this thing's still frozen up tighter than a wet corset. No, no, no. Get away from me, mister. I'm all right. No, you're not. Stand still. What? Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, here we are. What's the rock for? Lefty, you didn't fall. The blood's on the back of your head. What's that? And here's the rock that did it. Only the question is, way out here in the middle of the desert, who was holding the rock? It wasn't a coyote, that's a cinch. Hey, Mr. Valentine, you know there are stories and legends about railroads. In fact, this very line in the old days was supposed Mr. to happen... Mr. Foster, I don't want to be disrespectful, but any talk about a haunt on a railroad is just... Well, uh... <laughs> Anyway. All right, boys, the heck with a hot box. Just kick this car loose back on the old side. Kick it loose? Sure. Let the morning run pick it up. Seal car. Nothing but farm machinery. It'll be all right. I'll buy that. Let's get out of here. Me too. The sooner the better. What do you think, Mr. Valentine? What happened? I don't know. Nothing stolen, nothing touched. Just a man almost killed, and not even he knows. You sure you want to buy this railroad? I told you nothing will stop me. After all, this wasn't important. This couldn't have had anything to do with their not wanting to sell. You sure about that? The Desert Central, huh? Haunted Railroad. Okay, Mr. Foster, come on. Let's see who's next to get hit by a ghost. hoping? I'm hoping that if that ghost has any rocks left, he'll use them on that harmonica player. I didn't like those remarks he made at Brooksy one bit. On the other hand, I do like what you're about to hear, and I know you will too. to George Valentine. The Desert Central Railroad. It isn't much, but it's worth a million dollars to your client, Mr. Foster. What it might be worth to an engineer who was slugged by no one out in the middle of nowhere is another matter. 
Yes, if your name is George Valentine, you may not buy the idea of a haunted railroad, but you'll agree it's a mystery why there should be so much trouble around the Desert Central, or even so much trouble buying it. Now, where is this Foster? We left him at the hotel, Mr. Sertan. We told the desk not to ring him. Oh, you did? Well, that's very considerate. So you can come snooping around my office alone. You're in charge here at Chula City, aren't you? You own this so-called railroad. Don't insult either one of us. I do not. Yes, I'm the one who answered Foster's letter. And the brush off, huh? Well, one thing at a time now, won't you? Now, my innocent friend, the banks, own this railroad just like they own practically every other broken down short line in the country. The banks? Yeah. There's a little thing called receivership, my dear. It has nothing to do with the telephone company. I was given this infernal job by a banker in Chicago who told me there was a golf course in this town. Don't you understand? I'm just a hired hand sent here to do a job. Got enough problems without you acting like one. Uh Uh-huh. Problems like Lefty getting slugged last night? Oh, yeah. I'll have to look into that, I suppose. I don't know what goes on down here. Uh, You and I are strangers in this part of the country, Mr. Valentine. All right, now, now, I'm not changing the subject. Road has a detective. I'll put him right on it. On this lefty incident, I mean. I think it's a good idea, but we already know about your detective. You You had him investigating Mr. Foster up in the city. Oh? (laughs) Yeah. That's what you're down here early to find out about. Yes, yes, I did. My conscience got the better of me. I thought I'd better investigate, see if Foster was a real person, and if he was sane. Sane? I don't understand. This railroad... Loses $50,000 a year. Wow. Yeah. You see, unless a man were crazy or unless he had some other idea of how to make money on the road, people just don't buy into bankruptcy, do they? So, blame me for being puzzled, Valentine? Mr. Valentine? Valentine, for the love of heaven, I'm a busy man. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Just watching the trains out there, that's all. Happen to notice they brought that car 418 in. What, George? Mr. Valentine, I am patiently trying to explain to you. Yes, yes, I heard you all right. Why does my client want to own something that loses money? Yeah. Well, it just occurred to me there might be more ways than one to make money on the Desert Central. See you later. George. Phone Foster. Get him down here, Angel, will you? I'll see you in a few minutes. Hey, maestro. Hey, follow. Come here a minute, will you? Some railroad. They jab a flare into the side of a car. The heck with a fire hazard, huh? Look, follow. if I lighted a flare and jabbed it into the side of you, would you Hi, talk... Hi, mister. What's your trouble? I don't want to interfere with that musical bubble gum, but I'm curious. Sure, so am I. This is the same car, isn't it? 418? I noticed the burned-out flare, that's all, the spike. Well, they brought the car in all right on the morning run, if that's what you mean. Yeah, that's it. Morning run. Why'd you have a flare in next to the door in the morning? If there's one thing you don't need in the desert in the morning, it's more light. I like music. It's simpler. There was no flare here last night. I know that. So who tampered with the car during the night? Mister, you're crazy. Nobody tampers with anything in the desert except Gila monsters. Look, a car full of machinery, it'd take a crane to lift. Hey... Hey, wait a minute. What are you driving at? Curious about the other side of the car, that's all. 
That flare would only be there from somebody loading it at night, wouldn't it? Yeah, but nobody's been in this car. Seal's unbroken on the other side, too. Just curious, that's all. Hey, this road goes on south, doesn't it? Ties in with the Sonora National. That's a Mexican line, isn't it? Yeah, that's where this load's going, I guess. How to make money on a railroad. Hey, wait a minute. You want to get through there? It's easier to go through the open box car here. Oh, yeah, thanks. Doors ought to be shut anyhow. Don't jump down there yet. Mm -hmm. Why not? I wanted to show you a new tune on my harmonica, that's oh, all. Oh, look, Buster. Yeah. Hmm. Hope it still plays all right. George? George? Hi, baby. Oh, it's you. I was looking for Mr. Valentine. He came out here a second. Wait till I shut this car up. Won't I do? Well, not exactly. Afraid I haven't seen him, baby. Sounds like we're pulling out now. Sorry. Well, I'm sure he was right Save me an evening, will you, baby? Tunes? Oh. oh, brother, what did you hit me with? Hey, put that thing down, will you? You smell smoke? Sure. Put it down, I said. Oh, my mistake. How to hold an audience, huh? It's a gun, Mac. Okay, okay. Play your harmonica. See if I care. Don't worry about the smoke. There isn't any fire anymore. We're nice and comfortable on a siding now. On a siding? This is where I came in, isn't it? We had a hot box again, I suppose. The train shunted us off here and left us. I suppose. Okay, Buster, tell me something. If you wanted to give a car a hot box, you'd tamper with that thing out there you call a journal box, wouldn't you? I mean, if you threw sand or something into the journal box, isn't that the end of the bearing? Wouldn't that make it freeze up and lock or catch on fire or something? What's the name of that girl of yours? Huh? She's pretty. What are you going to do, open the door? Sure, why not? I don't like the air in here. Everything all right, Paolo? Sure, why not? You're all set, ready to roll. Sure. Oh, you got friends, huh? What's he been doing, fixing the hot box? That's all you have to do, isn't it? Let it cool off and change the packing or dump in some oil or something. Pretty view, ain't it? Boy, what a country. Yeah. Sunset, huh? I had a long sleep. Nothing else to do. What's over there in the gulch? A house? <laughs> no, just some friends. Building a fire to keep warm. Gets cold out here at night. Well, what are we waiting for? What are they waiting for? Okay, I'll tell you. A truck, maybe. Yeah, we're close to the highway again, aren't we? They're waiting to help load up this car with something besides farm machinery. Something from Mexico, maybe. And they're waiting to slap a fresh seal on this car after they load it. Search me? I just work here. Yeah, what's your job? You get rid of me? Or do you leave that up to the boss? Shut up. Listen. You hear your truck coming? I don't. Get back in the car. Oh, a train, huh? Well, that's more like it. They'll see us and stop and then... Hey, anybody there? That you, Si? Sure, me. Hello, how's the sour belly? Who dropped you off? I got a schedule to maintain. What kind of a railroad? Hot box. Keep your shirt on. The night train will pick her up. So now I gotta wait.
waste time on you. The midnight run, I said. They told me the dispatcher would have a midnight picker up. All right, all right. Break up everybody's schedule. Wait up, Lefty. Let her roll. Okay, so you got rid of him. <laughs> that was your last chance, Mac. Sure, sure. But I'll tell you a funny thing about being in a car with farm equipment, though. Now, look. Don't get yeah. it. That's enough music out of you for a while, Buster. Hey, Paolo, nice work. You got rid of number nine fast enough, huh? Paolo, you hear me? You all right? Oh, brother, where is that thing? I haven't played one since I was a kid. Paolo! Petrillo, forgive me. Why, it wasn't bad. Oh, what? Over here, other side. Cy Ebry, how'd you get here? Dropped off my caboose. What do you think? I'd better have a look around. That Miss Brooks of yours told me the number of that car, and when I noticed Don't mind it... that. Get out of here. Holy smoke, Paolo. He's all right. It's getting dark, but let's stay on the other side of the car. What in the name of tarnation is this real? There's a gang over there waiting to load up this car, waiting for a truck. Truck? Yeah, sure, that's the whole idea. Give a car a hot box. It's dropped off. Truck comes along to add a load that's already on a bill of lading. Now, wait a minute, young fellow. Wait a now minute. Listen. How carefully did they ever check cars that switch over to the Mexican line just south of here? This road's got a good reputation, mister. Oh, I see what you mean. Customs only run a spot check. And when a car even has a ceiling... Wait a minute. Headlights. Guess that's the truck coming now, huh? Yeah, there'll be too many guys. We're not going to do anything. But that Paolo in there, he's too dumb He's not to... the boss, and the whole road isn't in on it. Hey, truck's turning, coming down this way. Yeah, okay, take it easy. They can't see us. Hey, Cy, tell me something quick, will you? That siding where you stopped last night, how far south is it from Elmo Junction? What? 32, 33 miles. Only what in time? Hey! Yeah, that's no truck. Mr. Sertok's car. Well, Miss Brooks. Well, they were starting to look for you. They was worried... Come on, if... come on, run. Well, they're getting out of the car. Run, I said... Get back in, sir. Talk. Keep your motor running. George! Ibrahim, what's going on out here? Get in there, I said. They see me. Those men seen me, Valentine. What men? Get in. Get in, all of you. You too, Cy. Come on. Oh, now, Mr. Valentine. From here on, it's a job for the sheriff, Mr. Sir Talk. A bright boy on your railroad has been making a little money on the side, that's all. What? Get the car turned around. Hey, there! There they come. They won't hurt us as long as we got the boss along with us, will they, Cy? Now, you see here. Cy, last night you had piping hot coffee on the stove, and it tasted good. Apparently, it hadn't been boiling. But you claim you've been asleep since Elmo Junction, 33 miles. A good hour or more of this run. Hey, Sai! But a fire would have burned down in that time. So you were really awake, Sai. Yeah, it was you that slugged Lefty that put Paladar to watching 418 in case I came snooping around. You dropped off just now to make sure the final load went through all right. Sai, what's the matter? Hey, stop! Go! They got me! Oh, no, you don't, Buster. This thing I took away from Paula was no harm. Hey, stop me! Hang on, everybody. We're getting away from here. Relax and don't look so lonesome, Sai. We'll be back to meet your friends very shortly. You know something? I sure would like to know what's behind all this fall or all of freight cars with hot boxes and stuff. 
Now, we know that old Cy was behind it all, but why? Well, maybe if we listen to this a minute, we'll find out why. That's it, Valentine. They got the last one. Boy, everything loaded in that truck from contraband to stolen goods. All headed for Mexico for sale. Huh? Yeah, but what about Paolo? Oh, he's all right. Came out of that bump on his head. So mad at Cy for getting him into this. All right, it's done now. It's not important. It's what? Now, Mr. Foster, when I find one of my own employees... Calm can... down, Sir Tuck. The uh, sucker here still wants to buy it. It... It loses money, you know. What else is money for? I like railroads, don't you? Well, if there was any other business in the... Well, all right, Mr. Foster. Come over to my car. We'll talk business. Okay, step on the starter, Angel. We'll stick to the highways. <laughs> yes, George. Hey, uh, that guy, Paulo, thought you were, uh, kind of cute. Huh? Oh, George. Yeah, but he didn't have anything that I haven't got. Yes, George? Listen. Oh, no. Poor Brooksy. Here she was, all set for some sweet talk only to get some sour music instead. Say, I'll bet you if George took Brooksy for a moonlight ride in a canoe, he'd bring his fishing pole along. Oh, well. All of which brings us down to the fact that Robert Bailey stars as George Valentine, with Virginia Gregg as Brooksy. The story was written by David Victor and Jackson Gillis, with music by Eddie Dunstetter. Now, this is yours truly inviting you to another visit with Valentine, when you will again hear what happens when you let George do it. That was This Ain't No Way to Run a Railroad from Let George Do It here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. That was my pick. So, hey, Eric, why did you pick that? Oh, that's awesome you asked me, Eric, because I have an answer to that. Uh, I picked that because, much like Tim a few weeks ago mentioned that his pick was uh, picked for him by the computer machine, <laughs> mine as well, it popped up in my... Uh, uh, YouTube feed as I just starts playing stuff. I started playing and I went, oh, this is that show, Let George Do It. And I realized I've never listened to an episode of Let George Do It. So I- You're like, let George do it. Yeah. So I let it roll and was shocked to find out I never knew what it was about at all. Like if you had cornered me and said, what's Let George Do about? I was like, I don't know, some- wacky married couple i had no idea what this was about. i just assumed it was some comedy about a handyman that's mm -hmm. yeah really exactly <laughs> it could have been anything and when it started and i realized this is a 
detective-y thing, you know? I was like, oh, I had no idea. Of course, as we researched and found out, you know, as we told you in the opening, it did start off as kind of a sitcom uh, and transitioned into that. After listening to this, I went, okay, since we've never done one of these, I'm going to listen, find a good one, something to bring to the podcast. Listen to about 15 episodes of Let George Do It before I realized the first one I heard (laughs) was the best prospect to bring to the podcast. After listening to That Ain't No Way to Run a Railroad, when it was done, I, I said to myself, self? <laughs> self, I says self. self. Uh, that wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I, I had no idea that's what it was, and I kind of enjoyed it. And I really liked it. And in fact, I have a hard time. Well, I'll, I'll pitch my interpretation of, of what about the dialogue is so appealing to me. Because it's not quite the snappy banter of other detective stories of the time. Because it's drier and simpler than that. It's To me, it's like proto-Cohen brothers. Hmm. All right, I'm, I'm getting tolerant nods. I'll take that. I gave you a very respectable... Hmm. I'd, I'll take that happily. Thank you. I'm not following why it's Cohen Brothers. Um, I thought that was just an opening salvo. That's why we're pausing. We're oh, like, Ooh, I'm, right. <laughs> I was pausing like, get out. <laughs> but it's it's a dry humor. It's funny. It's sparse. And a lot of times, what's so good about it is just saying the obvious dumb thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and... The tone of it gets antagonistic, it can be violent, but it's always still just kind of, we're going along with this. There's a dude-like coolness of this narrative of like, okay, I'm hitting a guy, guy's hitting me. All the supporting characters are larger than life. They're all very uh, different from one another, but they're all essentially likable, which is another thing I think that fits into your uh, Coen Brothers scheme of things. Thank you for filling in the details. I did not bother to articulate. <laughs> I'm here for you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, no, I have heard uh, Let George Do It. I used to hear it pretty frequently back in college on the uh, When Radio Was syndicated radio show. And I always recorded that. And there were lots of uh, radio shows that I rejected. I would find out, oh, it's that. And I would record over it. But I saved all the... Oh, let George do it. I always thought they were exactly as Tim said. They're just really fun and breezy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was a little surprised that you chose this because, well, in some ways not, because I know they're fairly straightforward uh, stories, which I know you like, but they're also very whimsical, even when they're in there more uh, like uh, we're doing straightforward crime stories, mm-hmm. but the tone is lighter. So mm-hmm. I, I was like, oh, I'm. I can't wait to see uh, what Eric thinks of this. And and I was like, hmm. and then I got into it, of course, though. And then I went, oh, trains. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the, the very top part of what got me into this is the, the hook of, I want to buy this train company. I'm going to pay more than they're asking for, and they're not letting me. That is an interesting case. I totally understand all the implications that you're talking about there. Let's just go. Let's go find out why they won't sell you this train company. You skipped the first setup, and that was the one I was super excited about. I wrote down even as as I was listening, a great setup, a millionaire who can't give away a million dollars. Oh, yes. Then my next note is, never mind, it's not a great setup. (laughs) It's just a millionaire who wants to buy a railroad, and they won't take his offer, Um, which is still very promising. But that that initial one was (laughs) like, It's Brewster's Millions before the Brewster's Millions. (laughs) Yes. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll go along with it. But no, it didn't uh, 
derail my enjoyment <laughs> too much. Oh, oh I, I, see I can't, I can't talk smack about you now because you were so nice to me earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Works every time. <laughs> so yes, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I mean, to me, this is anchored by Bob Bailey's just great performance. He's just so likable, and particularly the bemused quality he has as all these big characters just kind of bounce off each other and occasionally bounce off him and his annoyance. That is also some of the charm he brings to the Johnny Dollar serials he does. Um, The serials were grittier than this, but some of the standalone episodes after the serial format ended in Johnny Dollar uh, were more akin to this, and and he would just have that kind of long-suffering quality that he's so good at. Right. He can do comedy, but he's also just a great straight man. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It also has a great soundscape. I mean, there are the Mm -hmm. the trains, of course, but you also have coyotes in the background. You have the great running gag with the harmonica player, and um, they're in a train yard, and they're out in the desert. So it's just nonstop footsteps on gravel, which I love. It just has that that texture, and that sound is great. So it's another example of how radio in this era second half of the golden age really just knew how to do everything perfectly. Yep. I love the uh, uh, production value of it for all those reasons you just said. There was a moment that with them standing by a train in the desert with the coyote howling and the gravel sound, this is a reference for six people, but it, it sounded texturally like listening to bury your dead Arizona from I love a mystery. Uh, and it ha- and it reminded me very much of that entire series. I was also struck by how much everybody, including the announcer, hates harmonica music. <laughs> me too. I was like, it's kind of nice. It's kind of wow. nice. Like, what are you so angry about? No one's. Uh, I was impressed that George could play that well. <laughs> that was lucky. I was pretty impressed. I was trying to think back to the harmonicas I have seen and. Um, felt in my hands that he could knock somebody unconscious with a harmonica. Um, maybe I was playing little tiny harmonicas. No, it's well, because there's like, like that big bass harmonica from the Sanford and Son. I was thinking, who's the little guy that played the giant harmonica <laughs> from, I think it's a sketch from SCTV, I do. And he, but he had a huge harmonica, and that was the one I imagined. Uh-huh. But it was, anyway, we're both right. Yes. Uh, I think you have to think of it as the guy who has the roll of quarters in his hand, yeah, that he yes. just used it as extra yeah. weight in his punch. But uh, to uh, George's credit, it's not just he could pick up a harmonica and play it. He could play the same song. Yeah. Not quite as good, but... Right. I love that moment very much where, you know, the guy's coming and he's not answering and there's some tension and suspense and apprehension going on as a listener, like, oh no, what's he going to do? And why is he not answering? And is he hiding? And then you hear him say, where is it? Where is it? And you still don't know what's going mm-hmm. on. And I found it to be a wonderful, brilliant, lovely moment where he plays a harmonica to get the other guy to move mm-hmm. on. I thought it was really cool. I, what he was asking where is it, I thought he was t- talking about the gun. Yes. Yeah, me too. Yeah. 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 I liked uh, the mystery of it. I like how he found clues and solved things. I liked everything about it. I, uh, I just want to, again... Commenting on that harmonica thing, it's always great when you can take something that... Turn a plot point to an audio. Well, there's the plot point to audio, plus there's also something that you have 
written off to some degree as a listener mm-hmm. as a joke. And it's a good joke, and it works, mm-hmm. that it then can be used for something suspenseful. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. where is it? Where? I've got to find that hilarious harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Because I'm in real danger right now. Uh, that's very clever. Yep. I, I will say they telegraph all the bad guys way before they're revealed as bad guys. I think you're immediately like, oh, it, it's Paolo. And then as soon as Sai shows up in the train, you're like, oh, it's Silo. Um, yeah. They make up for it again by a couple nice little detective moments. Well, definitely the harmonica moment you mentioned. And I really liked the bit of legitimate detective work they mm-hmm. give him with uh, the coffee. Yeah. And yeah. He got to yeah, taste yeah. the coffee. Yeah, and that hadn't was... been boiling for 30 minutes. <laughs> um, that was fresh coffee. I love a good coffee clue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a... I was referring to the idea that it had all of these elements and one of them being an actual mystery and an actual detective doing actual detective-y things and yeah. giving you some Sherlock Holmes type moments of of detective work. Plus you get the hard boiled stuff. I just liked all of it. Uh, a little bit of an anticlimax, the way it's structured though, of like, uh, we know who was doing it, but we don't know what. And we'll be back in a moment. Like illegal stuff and contraband. <laughs> going to Mexico. And like, I think we already kind of knew that. Uh. Yeah. And then that's what I was leading into is, just, is exactly that. And that is that listening to this episode and listening to a bunch more, I realized these are all fine. They're good. They're, there's nothing to complain about. However, they're incredibly formulaic, all of them. There's nothing mm. new about anything going on here from every element. A guy detective with his girl sidekick mm-hmm. to the actual plot itself to all of it and what occurred to me was in a really good way not in a bad way not in a horrible way it kind of comes across as if you had fed an ai all the information on how to write a story like this because there's so many tropes and there's so many formulas that have been done i over would fine-tune that a little bit more and say the plot feels like a oh, AI-generated plot. Yeah. But the actual script, back to uh, Tim's Cohen brothers' point, is that it has all these little surprising delights and details mm-hmm. in it. So someone took well, a I'm really... The structure. Sta- yeah, the yeah. standard structure that, and put this nice coat of paint there's nothing, over it. There's nothing new about it's the structure of it. And traditional the things executed well. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I think uh, the acting I thought was great. Uh, uh, it was not lost on me that uh, in the intro you mentioned... This actress's performance in the Herculoids, which yeah. I love the Herculoids. I love them <laughs> so much. I love the Herculoids. <laughs> she did it in the 60s and then came back for the 80s yep. revival. So she was committed. I mean, Virginia Gregg is great. I will say that uh, she's a little wasted in this. She just has a handful of yeah. generic girl lines. But for any listeners out there who really like Virginia Gregg, in about two weeks, we're going to have her in a starring performance in an episode. So you'll get to actually hear her act. I did not know that. That was completely by accident. How well <laughs> yeah. did I tie that in? I meant to do that. <laughs> yes, you I did. I was teasing that next podcast. <laughs> I in particular want to shout out a scene that I really enjoyed was when they first find the train and they, they are giving you the tour of this is the train. Here's the details about the train you need to know. And here are the characters on the train. And I'm taking that in for what it is. Like this is a fun, charming way to give me some exposition here. And we take the tour down the one side of the train and he gets to the end and he points out, hey, we didn't find the engineer. Yeah. 
I, I did not notice we didn't find the engineer, yeah, but that's right. a good point. Right. Whoever wrote this was an incredible train nerd or did tons of research. Because I had to pause it a couple times and look up, like, Hotbox? What are they even Don't talking Google it. about? Don't Google it. Don't There were more details, too, where it was just that he, they used all the lingo, which gave it mm-hmm. this sort of authenticating feel. And uh, it was, I just love the mystery of... Why is this train just stopped in the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere? Yeah, and that brings me back to the character of uh, Casey. Carrier Dead Arizona. Sorry, but that uh-huh. that same premise, but yes. Just that the sight of a train in the lonely night in the desert just delights yep. the millionaire who wants to yeah. spend way too much money on this uh, railroad. He's, he's the Elon Musk of trains. <laughs> <laughs> and he stops his car and flags me. I'm like, look at that. Isn't it beautiful? But I love the imagery in my head that they give us where you can see forever because it's the desert. Mm-hmm. And so in the horizon, possibly dusky or in the sunlight, you see this train just parked way out there, you know, and there's nothing, maybe some cactus. It's image wise, you can see and feel and hear it. Well, should we boat? Yeah. Sure. I'll start it with saying that I was pleasantly uh, surprised to listen to this by accident and discover what it was finally and how wrong I was. It wasn't a, the daily foibles of a handyman. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, here are the things that I don't like. I think that it is possibly the worst name for this ever. Like, I do not like the name Let George Do It. I, I There's so many other things. After well, they clearly episodes. were starting with a comedy idea. Right. So it, it fits a comedy. It fits. That's exactly what I'm saying is they could have changed it. It just doesn't fit what it it, what it became. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, as a sitcom, it's great. But, like, write full details, personal notice. These are, <laughs> right? All these <laughs> things in the opening would have made great names. Uh, it went through a lot of metamorphosis, uh, uh, this entire series. As far as the form of how they opened the show, how the theme was played, how the narrator or the host, I should say, was involved. Like that personal notice, Dangers My Stock and Trade, is in every episode. But where it comes in, sometimes they have people reading their own letters to him. My point being is that each time you listen to it, it's slightly different. Like there wasn't, it never found its footing in exactly how it opens and how it goes. So for this particular episode, unlike some of the others, I really didn't like the narrator host guy. Oh, his delivery! I it, it was oh, I forgot weird. to even talk about him. He's I super loved weird. Loved how casual and just like it's like a soap opera. It's like uh, hey, host. you know what? As long as you're here, <laughs> right? But he wasn't. Do you creepy. want a drink? Great. <laughs> <laughs> so let's listen to some commercials and uh, get some money going. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> I mean, I. <laughs> I loved it for that reason. <laughs> yeah. it, was just, it was just so different. And I, so I felt different. like it was like, uh, has anyone ever done this as an announcer? Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I was. Let I, the announcer do it. <laughs> right. Uh, you but, take away the announcer and you take away the uh, the title, which are the only two things that bug me about this. And I will so, say. So just things that are different bug you? Or do you think it just lets the steam out of the episode? Like, or the steam you just, out of it. I think that his style and his approach doesn't match what's going on and it's distracting and it doesn't match the style of not only this episode but of the whole show of what's going on and i think it becomes distracting and i think that's a great way to put it it lets the steam out of this tension and action and 
adrenaline that's going on. And all of a sudden, well, let's go on. I don't think this has much adrenaline to it. So I, I kind of <laughs> thought it matched the laid back tone of the story and of definitely of George Valentine. You're right. Personally. And it is more support for uh, Tim's Cohen brothers <laughs> <laughs> lens to view this through. But I can't believe I forgot to mention that. It, it amused me to no end. <laughs> oh, I know we're in the middle of voting. But the other thing I didn't mention, and this is where I thought. Tonight, we're voting. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is where I thought, how is Eric on board for this? The early mention of this possibly being a haunted railroad, and yeah. there's a story, and they interrupt and go, no, 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 no. And the first time I listened to it, I was like, what? where did that go? And then on my second listen, I was like, oh, I think this is actually a meta joke. We're like, no, 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 don't start us down the haunted railroad uh, story because they all interrupt him immediately. Like, no, 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 that's not the story we're doing. That's that's how I interpreted it the second time I did it. Like, you're going to disappoint Eric. Shut up. <laughs> well, it lays there for a few minutes. How did he get hit and by what? Mm-hmm. And and uh, it's a red herring as far as what the actual story is about. Not a red herring to the mystery itself, but to the listener as to what the story is about. But when you're listening, that is a dangerous red herring. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, because I wanted it. But I was happy with where it went. If it had not gone somewhere where I liked, I would have been, I should have been a haunted railroad. (laughs) But uh, I really liked it. I think this stands the test of time. I will not put classic on this just because it doesn't stand out as anything groundbreaking or spectacular. But uh, I really enjoyed it a lot. I, I'm going to be very similar to that. Uh, I think you are right in, in the critique of you can really see the template, the uh, boilerplate that it's drawing from. But all the flourishes are so charming yep. and so different than, than so many other things that are that draw from that same template. I enjoyed both the uh, the steps of solving the mystery and the humor that is irrelevant to the steps of solving the mystery. <laughs> So it stands the test of time, not a classic. Yeah, I'm totally on board this train. (laughs) (laughs) I still am obliged to approve your puns. (laughs) Uh, It's a a run-of-the-mill story, really enlivened by uh, really appealing performances, funny characters, these great little details here and there. Just Fun to listen to. Nothing incredibly special. I'm at times when I hear Let George Do It, I'm like, ooh, that makes me want to listen to Johnny Dollar. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But no, it was highly entertaining. I'm so glad you brought one of these. Thank you, Eric. Tim, tell them stuff. Hey, please go visit ghoulishdelights.com if you get a chance. There's things to do there. You can listen to other episodes. Uh, You can comment on episodes. Let us know what you thought about this. You can vote in polls. Uh, if you just want to express an opinion in more of a just a one-click method, you can send us messages, coded messages, see if we can figure out what you're saying. Uh, no one's done that yet, so good luck. We're not very bright. Um, you can also, uh, from there, link to our Threadless store. Don't send coded messages. <laughs> Uh, now I kind of want a coded message. Well, then we need to make decoder rings, and we looked into that. They're ex- extremely oh expensive. My, but now crazy. with 3D printers, okay, listeners, if someone has a 3D printer and can make us decoder rings, you'll be appreciated in a <laughs> non-monetary fashion. <laughs> and in addition to being able to link to our Threadless store and buy swag, you can link to our Patreon page and support us. Yes. Become a member. 
by making us decoder rings or <laughs> becoming a member of the mysterious old radio listening society. Go to patreon.com slash the morals. You will just find a treasure trove of bonus content there. We at this point have a lot of backed up. <laughs> that sounds bad, like it's some sort of like uh, intestinal issue. Uh, <laughs> a lot of bonus material. Uh, we also uh, like to interact with our patrons, so we uh, hang out on Zoom happy hours once a month. I do uh, about every six weeks a Zoom book club. We have Discord. We always forget to mention Discord, but that is a really fabulous place to not just uh, interact with, I mean, me and Tim. <laughs> We're going to get Eric on Discord one of these days. I'm going to grab his phone. I'm going to download it. It's going to happen. But uh, more importantly, in Discord, you get to interact with a lot of really fun people who share your interest in old-time radio and the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society. So become a patron today. Just send me a text. <laughs> <laughs> I want to one last time say thank you to everyone who donated to us to help us get a new computer because we needed it really badly. Thank you so much for your help. Thank you, thank you. And also thank you to all the regular patrons. Uh, I think we thanked you last week, but I'm going to thank you again. Nice. Uh, one of the reasons we asked for these extra donations towards a computer is because thanks to the donations of our patrons uh, we are able to compensate ourselves just a little for the work we do on the podcast but also um i don't know if we've talked much about it but we uh, a couple months back again using uh, partially funds from patron uh we have our own little recording space that we've rented it's a little office it says home of the mysterious old radio listening society on it so that's great too so thank you you are making us almost a real live podcast oh. when i get some more pictures hung i'll, I'll get some photos up yeah and we all bought Jaguars. <laughs> so thanks. Not the cars. Just actual <laughs> animals. Yeah. Jaguars. It was a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like. I had a dog. It's bringing up baby with Jaguars. <laughs> Mine's named Peabody. <laughs> if you'd like to see us performing live, the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society Theater Company does live recreations on stage of classic old time radio shows and a lot of our own original radio drama. If you want to know where we're performing every month and what we're performing and how to get tickets, just go to ghoulishdelights.com or mysteriousoldradiolisteningsociety.com and find out where we are and what we're doing this month. Uh, we're in a lot of places. If you can't make it, then uh, for whatever reason, you if you're a Patreon, we film them, and that's part of your Patreon perk. You get to see those uh, shows. We give you the link to those. But come and see us because everywhere we perform is really good food and great atmosphere, and it's a great night out. I don't care where you are. Fly to the Twin Cities. Come see us. <laughs> What's uh, coming up next? Next, we will be listening to an episode of Crime Classics entitled The Crime of Bathsheba Spooner. Until then. I love the Herculoids. I love them <laughs> so much. I love the Herculoids. <laughs> ah! 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 Ah!